This morning we're going to continue on in a series that we started a couple weeks ago uh, called Unstoppable Joy. We started this about uh, three Sundays ago because last week we had our family service. The week before that we had uh, Pastor Michael Jackson here and he did a special message and a baby dedication and everything. Uh, and so we started this series a couple weeks ago called Unstoppable Joy and we're working our way through the book of Philippians talking about joy, how to find that that true joy, not happiness, right? We talked about that the first week, the difference between happiness and joy, but trying to find that unstoppable joy that can come our way through Jesus as we allow him to. So just a question to get us started this morning. How many of you know people who are extremely selfish, right? Don't point at anybody. Don't. I said, Olivia, I said, don't point at anybody. She points at her sister or, or Emma. I don't know which... You're pointing, Emma? Okay. Well, either way, I said don't point. Um, so here's a better question. How many of you would identify yourself as selfish? Right? If you're being honest, you say, you know what? There, there's a, a bit of me that's selfish. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, horribly selfish. But, you know, I think if all of us are honest, we would say, you know what? There's, we have some selfish tendencies or some things that, that we like to do. You know, I would say that, that I am. Because I love to do the things that I want to do. Right? There's certain things I love doing. And so some of the things that, that I choose to do sometimes that unfortunately are a little bit selfish, I want to just share a couple of them. Uh, just because I want to be vulnerable and transparent with you this morning. Uh, sometimes I, I choose softball over maybe being at home with my family as much as I should be. And actually, uh, Pastor Lauren, I just had a conversation about that this last week, my wife. and so, But it's something I love doing and the season is so short. That sometimes I forget, you know what, it doesn't give me an excuse to still be gone multiple nights a week. To be away from my wife and, and our child. And so, the other thing, I, I love fishing. So sometimes I go fishing maybe more than I should. You know, I've got a couple hours and instead of staying at home, I'm like, hey honey, I'm going to go fishing for a while. I come home with nothing. So there's no point to it, right? She's like, you didn't even catch anything. I'm like, I know, but I was out on the lake by myself, like, in nothing land which to me is the greatest place that I could ever be. Which, if you don't know that, guys have what's called a nothing box, and women don't understand that. that that's a proven thing. Guys actually have what's called a nothing box, where they can travel to this place where they're doing nothing. And when my wife and I first got married, I'd be on the couch, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm doing nothing. The TV's not on, there's nothing going on, I'm not on my phone. She's like, are you kidding? And I was like, no, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm doing nothing. But it took her a while to understand that was a real thing. And I'm sure some of you wives, you've been like, you know what? I've been there. I I've seen my husband in his nothing box. And it didn't make sense. Well, it's a real thing. Uh, another way that sometimes I can be a little bit selfish is, is I love to be home. I love to be on my phone. And the other day, my wife came home, and I'm supposed to be watching Gabriella. And she's sitting in her little chair talking to me. What am I doing? I'm on my phone. And she goes, what are you doing? You're supposed to be with her. Right? And it just, there's another one of those moments of saying, you know what? I was being selfish. I was doing something that I wanted to do instead of paying attention to my little girl who was right next to me. You know, I think we can all look at our lives and go, you know what? We fall into some of those categories of becoming selfish at different times. And those are just a couple examples, right? I could list off more, and I'm sure you could list off more. And I'm sure you have examples of what that looks like in your own life. Maybe some of the things that you could become 
selfishly. But when it comes to walking through life and knowing what Jesus calls us to do, I'm pretty sure um, that, that selfishness is not a part of what Jesus teaches us in the Scripture. I don't know if, if you're going to believe this or not, but I think all of us are selfish, right? We kind of got that across. If we take an honest look at our lives, we would see that we're more selfish than we would like to admit. Going, you know what? Because I think what happens is, is if someone took a video of our life, and then we looked back at it, you know, say for a week someone followed you around with a camera, or as Johnny would say, ABR, always be recording. That's his family motto. Um, but, like, if you watch that video, you might look back and be like, you know what? There was a lot of times where maybe I was being selfish and I didn't realize it. And that's okay. That's what we're going to talk about today is learning how to empty ourselves of our desires and what we want and allow ourselves to be filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. I'm not as selfish as I used to be, right? And I'm learning how, as a follower of Jesus, to become less and less selfish each and every day. And I hope that's the same for you, right? It's part of that sanctification. It's part of our journey with Jesus of becoming more like Him each and every day. As I said, in this series, we're looking through the book of Philippians and how we can find joy in the midst of our circumstances that we go through. The first week, we looked at how we can have joy in the midst of our pain. We looked at that idea of learning how to pray, not praying simply, God, please remove this, but saying, God, please use this until you choose to remove it. Use this circumstance, use this situation until you choose to remove it. We looked at that story of Paul, right? He was in prison, and, and he could have been totally overwhelmed by the fact that he was in prison and, and, and allowed that to just overtake his joy, but instead he didn't. He still had the joy of the Lord in him, and people in prison saw that, and they came to know who Jesus was. Despite his circumstances, he still had his joy in the Lord. And today we're going to talk about how we can experience joy when we choose to empty ourselves. What do I mean by that? Right? If you've been around the church for, for any amount of time, you've probably heard, the, you could call it the Christianese or the saying, are you filled with the Spirit? Being filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with Jesus. And that we need to empty ourselves out during service. Right? I've already said that multiple times this morning, that idea of emptying ourselves out. In simple terms, what does that mean? means that you and I can only be full of one thing. So what is it that we're full of? When we're full of, when you're full of yourself, there's no room for Jesus. That's the reality. When you're full of yourself, there's no room for Jesus. We talked about this a few months ago when we did a series on the Holy Spirit. That same idea of what are we full of? Are we full of the Holy Spirit? Are we full of ourselves or full of the things of this world? What are we allowing to fill us up? And as followers of Jesus, I know that maybe not everyone in here this morning is, and that's okay. That's okay. But we are to be like Jesus. As Christians, we're to represent Jesus in everything that we do. As we go through Philippians 2, we will see what that's like. Paul, who is the author of this letter, was in prison and reflected on Jesus. And this is what he had to say. We're starting with verse 1 of Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of others. Could you imagine how differently our lives or how differently the church or how differently the world could look today if we actually took these verses seriously all the time? If we said, you know what, I'm actually going to try to practice this and apply this into my life all the time. Because what is Paul saying here? He's saying, think of others as much or more than you think of yourself. He's saying, think of others. Turn your eyes outward. Stop looking inward so much and begin to look out at those around you. Think of others as much as yourselves. If we thought of others as much as we think of ourselves, we'd think of them a lot, right? When we think of others, we become united with Christ. It says we become one in mind with Him. So here's a question. How often do you really think about yourself? How often do you think about yourself? Think about it. It's a lot more than we would think, I bet. Do you know how I know? I love to people watch. I'm a people watcher. I think it's, it's one of the, the greatest joys that God has given us, is the ability to watch other people. Right? I go to Walmart, and I'll just sit on a bench, watch people walk around. When I go to Valley Fair next Thursday, I'm going to watch people walk around the theme park. It's going to be great. But when you watch people walk around, right, especially in front of maybe a, a glass storefront, or in front of a mirror where they can see the reflection, what do they do? You walk in and you're like, hey, I look pretty good, right? You walk by, and what is our, our instinct is to always look at ourselves, right? To go, yeah, you look in the mirror and you're like, I look pretty good today, right? But that's what we take our nature. We walk by something that has a reflection and we look at it and we think of ourselves. We think of ourselves. I know you do it. I do it. It's okay, you can admit it. But I'm telling you, some things I've learned as a parent, you know, she's a whole not even five months old yet at this point. But I've had to learn to think of her and my wife as much or more than I think of myself. I had to learn to think of them more, right? I have this little princess who depends on me not being a selfish dad. She depends on me. She was only, uh, she only benefits from me being selfless, and she's only hurt when I become selfish. Her life depends on Pastor Laura and I at this point, right? So it depends on us thinking of her more. And as parents, your children's life depends on you thinking of them more than you're thinking of yourself. And don't confuse this. Your marriage is number one. Well, your relationship with the Lord is number one. Your marriage is number two. Your kids are number three. But it's still saying this idea of saying, we have to think of our kids instead of just what maybe is in our best individual interests at all times. And many times as we get older, we begin to forget this because our children become more independent. But the same values hold to be true in our relationship with other people. When you think of others more than yourself, Paul is saying, you and God are one in spirit and of one mind. With God. One in spirit and of one mind. Right? How amazing is it to think about the fact that you and I actually have the ability to be one in mind with God. Right? The one who knows all things. Scripture tells us we have the ability to be one in spirit and of one mind. I, I, I love this idea of having the same mind and same spirit of our God, who, as I said, is all-knowing, all-powerful. When we value others' needs above our own needs, we're being like Jesus. For that person, 
You are a picture of the very nature of Jesus because Jesus gave up everything for us. Right? We are a reflection of who Jesus is to the world around us. Because Jesus, what did he do? He put our need of forgiveness over his very life. Let me repeat that. He put our need of forgiveness over his very own life. You think about selflessness. Giving up your very own life for others. C.S. Lewis has a quote. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? So it's, humility is not lacking uh, confidence or knowing who you are in Christ, but it's saying, I know who I am in Christ, and I, I, I don't have to think about that. I need to think about others and the needs that they have. So don't confuse it with thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Again, when you're full of yourself, there's no room for Jesus. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to come and move in your lives. Continuing on in Philippians 2, we'll start at verse 5. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Right, so this is one of the most famous passages when it comes to looking at the, the, the humility of who Jesus is. If you look at the character of Jesus and you want to look at the humility, this is a passage that many times people will look at. So Paul here again, right? He's writing this letter from prison. And he's letting everyone know that he was experiencing joy from within his prison cell because he had grasped the character of Jesus' humility and selflessness. He knew he would gain joy by giving up everything. He would gain joy by giving up everything. When we take the same posture of Jesus, we'll be elevated in God's eyes. When we go to our knees and serving others, we stand on the shoulders of Jesus. Jesus is selflessness. He is selflessness. Have you ever been so full of something that you actually threw up? I actually, I, I shared a little bit of this illustration in that last series we did on the Holy Spirit, but it applies here again, right? So I love tacos. Tacos are my favorite food in the whole world. So if you ever want to make me really happy, or like you're having me over for dinner, and you're like, I wonder what I should make Pastor Mike and Pastor Laura. Tacos is a good option. Just, just throw them that out there in case anybody's wondering. Uh, tacos are, are wonderful. Um, but there was a year when I was in high school, I don't know if I was a junior, sophomore, freshman, uh, what I was, um, but I was getting ready to head off to a semi-formal dance that night. So it's a Saturday afternoon, and getting ready for the dance, and I'm excited, I probably have a date, you know, some girl that I hardly knew, but I was like, hey, do you want to go to this dance? And she's like, yeah, because you're in high school, that's what you do. Um, but anyhow, I was like, I need to eat before I go to this dance. 
It's a little bit early, so my family's not ready to eat, uh, but I need to eat, and they were having tacos that night. So I was like, all right, I'll start eating some tacos. And before I know it, I've got like seven tacos down. And who knows what else I ate. Uh, but I had all these tacos and everything. Bad idea, right? Because as soon as I get to the dance and I start to move around a little bit, what happens? I don't need to explain it anymore. You already know what happens. I'm not going to give any graphic details, but you have the picture of what happened. What happened was is I got full of food, and ultimately I paid the price for it. I paid the price for filling myself full of the food in the situation. And why do I share that? I share it because I believe many of us are too full of ourselves and I'm afraid that we're going to pay the price for it. Many of us have become too full of ourselves, and eventually we're going to pay the price for it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but there's going to be a day where it's going to come where you're going to pay the price for being full of yourself or full of the things of this world instead of being full of God and His presence. We can miss out on amazing opportunities of having unstoppable joy because we're so focused on us that we miss out on what it means to be like Jesus and to help other people. Again, when you're full of yourself, there's no room for Jesus. So why give up everything? Why, why, why do we give up everything? Why? Because again, Jesus set the example. Jesus gave up everything. Again, we're going to look at a part of that passage starting at verse 5 again. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is amazing to understand in Paul's time, or even in the time of Jesus here, in the early church, because if you think about the culture of that time, the context of that time period, Greek gods, right, were, were a big thing at that time. Greek gods came to earth, but they kept their divinity, right? They would come to earth, but they were still a god. They were never willing to give up that divinity. They kept it. They came to earth demanding respect from individuals. That's the opposite of what Jesus did, right? Jesus came... He served. He was humble. He didn't, he didn't go around proclaiming his divinity. He actually, right, when, when you read the story of Jesus turning the water into wine at the wedding, he actually said, the time hasn't come yet, right? Jesus knew that there was going to be a time when his people were going to realize who he was, but he wasn't out flaunting, I'm the son of God. He was humble. He was murdered on a cross. Jesus didn't walk around shaking a mighty fist. He opened his hand and he gave everything that he had. He wasn't closed-fisted about anything, but he was open-handed and giving everything he had. Right? This is, if you talk to someone who's a part of Islam or a Muslim, that's one of the biggest negative things they're going to say about Christianity, the fact that our God was humble, the fact that he gave everything away, that he emptied himself, that he didn't walk around with an iron fist, and try to control and scare people into different things. The word humbled in Greek literally means empty. That's what it means, empty. The text illustrates the essential nature of God, that he came to serve and to be empty. 
So here's the question then that I keep coming back to, and it relates to me as well, and it's something that we all have to wrestle with. If God's essential nature is being emptied, why is ours always to be filled? If God's essential nature is to always be emptied, why is ours always to be filled? Right? And here's the answer, because by nature we're selfish beings. By nature, you and I are selfish. It's, it's a natural state of who we are. And it's a result of living in a world that's full of sin. We become selfish. We become one who, who wants to have everything. So how do we combat this? How do we go against this desire, this innate desire inside of us to be selfish beings and empty ourselves out? How do we do that? How do we become more like Jesus? It's simple. We do it by serving. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. The best way for you and I to empty ourselves out is to serve others. To empty ourselves out. To stretch our hand out and, and give, help others to serve. You might be thinking, how can I do that? I don't have time between work and my family and my children and everything else. I don't have any time to do that. Or I can't afford to miss the things that I'm involved in. My answer is simply this. You can't afford to not serve. You can't afford to not empty yourself out. Because again, there's going to be a day that I believe we're going to pay the price if we're full of ourselves instead of being full of God and His presence. Like, for example, I'm so excited that there's 13 of us in, in a month and a half that are going out to L.A. on a mission trip to L.A. Dream Center, right? Serving, having that mindset, right? Here, there's a picture up here. This isn't our whole team, but, you know, we went and served at Pizza Ranch at a fundraiser uh, one night. But I, I'm just excited for what God is going to do in and through us as we serve, as we empty ourselves out to the individuals that we're going to be serving on that trip. Right? We're going to be helping the poor. We're going to be offering food and shelter. We're going to be cleaning up neighborhoods. We're going to be providing furniture for homes that need furniture. What are we going to be doing? We're going to be meeting basic essential needs. Meeting basic needs. Not anything elaborate. Not anything that people might look at and go, well, that's impressive. We're meeting basic needs of people. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was all about needing the basic need that an individual had. You don't want to be full of yourself anymore? I want to encourage you to empty yourself out by serving others. Here are two simple thoughts when it comes to doing this practically. Number one, find a need and fill it. Number two, find a hurt and heal it. And I'll explain that. Find a need, right? There's a need somewhere. Say, how can we fill this need? This last week at the fishing tournament, the youth fishing tournament on Thursday, they, they don't have any food there. And so as a church for a number of years, we've, we've just served hot dogs and chips and juice at the youth fishing contest, saying, there's a need, we can help fill this. We can help partner in this event. And we do that with multiple things. They think of Holly Jolly and providing the music for it and partnering with the community and multiple other events, but saying, finding a need and filling it, emptying ourselves out. To help those in need around us. Number two, finding a hurt and heal it. 
One of the greatest ways that we can find healing is by being a part of a group, by being involved in a small group, or as we call them here at our church, a community group. I don't know if you know this or not, but life can get a little messy, right? And one of the best ways to serve your peers is to do life with them and be in a group with them. Right? Because we come here on Sunday mornings and we get equipped and we get challenged and, and God speaks to us. But then we go out for six and three quarter days of the week. We're not here together. But we still have an opportunity to do life together. To live alongside one another. To help each other. And as we get to know each other, we figure out the hurts. We figure out the challenges that people are walking through. And as we grow in those relationships with one another, we can help to meet those hurts, to find healing through God in those situations. Most suffering uh, that seems meaningless stems from our unwillingness to be emptied out. When we are full of ourselves, we cannot be filled with anything else, including the Holy Spirit, God's presence. When we're full of our passions and those desires that are not from God, our heart becomes dead to what God is desiring for us to do. When we learn to lean on the Holy Spirit, our heart begins to burn for what brings glory and honor to God. It doesn't matter how dark, how deep, how wide, how awful, how embarrassing, how bad you may think your past is. God can change and take a dead heart and make it into a beating heart. He can change us from the inside out. This is what I made reference to earlier. Sometimes, even as believers, we just begin to get a little bit dry. We begin to maybe wander a little bit, and we're, we're not allowing ourselves to be filled with God. We're allowing ourselves to be filled with other things. And we have to sit back and, and take a look and go, wait, what am I filling myself with? What is my life full of? Is it full of God and the things He desires, or is it full of the things that, that I just have come to like and enjoy and are convenient for me? Right? When we're full of ourselves, there's no room for Jesus. I can get the worship team or Jesse to come back up. I have a quote I want to share with you. This is from D.L. Moody. He says, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be empty before we can be filled. It's been my experience in life, and I know many of you can relate to this, that when you really come to the Lord, when you really seek the Lord and find yourself at His feet, He never sends you away empty unless you have come full of yourself. Right? If you come and you're, you're coming to the Lord and you're empty, He will fill you. And so this morning, what I want to do is, as our worship team is going to lead us through a song, myself and a few others are going to be up here for a time of prayer. But this morning, maybe you're sitting here and you go, you know what? It's time that I emptied myself of my desires, of my selfishness, so that I can be more full of God and what He wants to do in my life. That the Holy Spirit can come and there's room for Him. I want to invite you this morning to come forward. And as always... You can pray with one of us, or you can pray by yourself. The altars are wide open. But this morning, I believe that there are many in here this morning who, if we're honest, are going, you know what? There are things that I need to lay down. There are things I need to empty myself of so that I can be filled 
with God's presence, that I can be filled with His Spirit, that I can truly walk in the plans that He has for me. Yes, Father, that's our prayer, Lord, that we would empty ourselves of our pride, of our personal desires, our personal interests, God, or things of this world, that we may be full of your presence. So as we empty ourselves out, we do say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We're making room for you. Come and dwell with me. Fill us with your presence, we pray. Father, we want to be a people who are full of unstoppable joy. That despite our circumstances, that despite what we're walking through, we can say, I still know where my joy comes from, and my joy comes from the Lord. It comes from my relationship with Him, for I know that I have been redeemed. That I have been made whole, that I have been restored, that my past is the past, and I have found new life in Christ. <coughs> Father, I pray today as we go out that you will help us to continue to look to you for our joy. And that, Father, you would help us to continue to focus upon others, Father, to be humble servants who instead of saying, I would like this, saying, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I serve others? How can I help meet a need that I see around me? Father, how can I, I help somebody find healing in their life for something that they're walking through? Jesus, help us to continue to be transformed, to become more like you each and every day. Father, we empty ourselves out. Every last bit we lay down in your feet. And we know that it's been washed away. We thank you for that, Lord. Father, as we go out now, we pray that you would give us a boldness and a confidence to walk forward in that joy, in our identity of who we are as sons and daughters of the King. That we would go out and we would reflect you to the world around us, that people may see who you are as a result. They may come to know you. That your kingdom may grow and advance as a result. So, Father, embolden us through your Holy Spirit, that we may be active vessels, God, not dry bones, but active individuals, God, who are in one mind and of one spirit with you. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Thank you that we can know that we have the ability to be in one mind with you. Keep us safe now as we go. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.